All right. Hey, we're back. All right. Interesting thing. Here's a little interesting note. See if you can see, make the connection. Um, that, that training I'm running, The Habits of a Multiplying Disciple, highly recommended, by the way, um, is run by two pastors, a pastor from Philadelphia, that would be me, and a pastor from St. Louis, that would be him. So I don't know if you know what's going on in the world today, but, you know, even people, people are like, what are you talking about? So, but, so for those who don't watch sports, uh, Philadelphia Phillies beat St. Louis Cardinals in the playoffs last night. So just so you know, Philadelphia's doing something. Again, um, all the Philadelphia sports teams are doing great outside of the Flyers. So, Steve, I'm sorry about that. But maybe they'll get their act together in this upcoming season. Hey, um, I want to tell you something, guys. I, I just, I, before I get started, I have to tell you something else. I want to congratulate everyone. Okay? I just need to give everyone a, a round of applause and congratulations. Last night, I received an email... Let's, let's uh, flip over there. You might have to take it off Navigator if it's on. Okay, I received an email from info at citieshonor.com announcing that Conshohocken Vineyard Church won Best Vineyard Church in Conshohocken. Congrats. Give yourselves a round of applause. Good job, everybody. We did it, guys. We did it. And there's going to be a live um, pr presentation of the ceremony, FedEx. It's been five to seven business days for only $299.99. There's going to be a live presentation by FedEx. Uh, so just to let you know, that might appear at my house. So um, good job, everybody. I just wanted to say we did. We finally made it. Uh, <laughs> so um, I think we can get multiple. So, you know, just give me 300 bucks and we'll be on our way. Uh, but anyway, that's real. Like last night I got that email. So it's really exciting. It's exciting times in Conchock and Vineyard Church. And I never dreamed that this day would come, but I just want to thank, I want to thank Nick for our announcements. I want to thank the worship team for making this possible. And Jamie, I thank Kui for making this, this dream come, become a reality. But we're on to real business. So we're talking about restoring relationships. We're starting a new sermon series today, and um, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, I'm excited about this. I'm hopeful that God's going to do some good things. And he has been doing some great things in our community. He really has. Um, even though, you know, infomercial at connectcityperson.com uh, may not be aware of that. And, um, you know, we all go through difficulties in our relationships. If there's one common theme I, I've noticed in terms of where, where we've all struggled, we've all had relationship issues. Whether it's um, little tiffs with one another uh, or significant relationship breaks or pain that's, that's existed uh, throughout our lives. I mean, just this week, so this, just this week, someone I really respect and love I was in like a sensitive setting. They they basically cursed me out. And I was like, what in the world? It kind of took me out of nowhere. It was really hurtful when that happened. And I'm sure you've been in that situation. If you've gone driving at all, maybe you've been in that situation in Philadelphia. But this was a person I knew. So it was a little bit more of a bigger deal. I mean, you kind of brush off the other stuff. But one of the things we come, one of the ideas we come back to again and again and again at Conchock and Vineyard. Nick had mentioned it, you know, our, our goal is to multiply mature disciples of Jesus, people who are like Jesus. But Jesus is in the people restoration business. That's what he does. That's the thing that Jesus does, is he restores people's lives. And so, because Jesus is in that business, that's the business that we're in um, as well. And throughout the years, we've seen God do some amazing things. And the restoration Jesus offers, you see, it's not just in us that he wants to do those things. It's between us. It's the relationships that we have with one another that he cares deeply about. 
And that's, that's kind of the theme of what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks in the fall here. The problem is, and here's the problem, is that so many people don't really understand why they keep running into relationship problems again and again and again. And then if they know why they're running into those problems, they often can't figure out how to solve them. And it just goes on for their whole lives. And that's basically the story of many people's lives. It's just one broken relationship to, a, to another. And, you know, I experienced this kind of pattern. There was a shocking, it was pretty shocking for me. I was a young pastor. I was just getting involved in ministry. I had a friend, um, let's call him Harry. That's not his real name. But my friend Harry, he was about maybe seven, eight years older than I was. And um, we'd gotten together for lunch at a, a local sandwich shop. We'd do that once every other month or so. And uh, I thought we had something good going. We, were, uh, we talked about deep things. We talked about the things. The guy who was a very gifted, highly intelligent man. Um, and one, one lunch, um, when it came, it came out, uh, this was before. I found out through um, my other friends that his marriage was really suffering um, and I, I brought it up. I was like, you know, how are you doing? You know, how's your marriage going? And, um, and, I, and I told him that some of the leaders in the church were, were cared about him and had heard about what had happened. We want to come and support him. And he got very defensive in that moment. And he says, I don't, I don't want your help. You know, you don't, who are you to kind of talk about my, my marriage and my, my life like that? And I said, well, of course we want to help. Why wouldn't we? And then he, in the middle, I was just in the middle of talking, he stood up in the middle of lunch, basically probably hit his plate. He stood up so violently, or, or not violently, but just like forcefully, and walked right out. And I never spoke to him again, basically. I mean, I may have saw him awkwardly in like a couple situations. It was one of the most, um, for me at that time, being young, like shocking situation because I never had anyone really do that to me and I wasn't really doing anything mean or wrong I was just saying listen we want to come alongside you and help you in this situation but later came out my friend Harry there's a long there's a long story so you know the situation that you encounter that's not the story you're encountering a story that had been building up for their entire life up to that point and often we get so focused and think what did I do wrong or what happened in that situation Listen, that situation is not isolated from the context of a lifetime of experiences that person brings to the table, literally at that time, the table um, that I was sitting at with him. And I later learned that this, this man, he had suffered from um, a lack of broken, uh, heavily broken relationship with his own family. His father was abusive, verbally abusive to him. Communication was not healthy. And these things came out over time, but I didn't realize that until after the fact. And so my friend, friends like Harry, this happens again and again to many of us in many different situations. And, um, you know, I've, I've seen this actual situation repeated many times over in lives and in individuals and in marriages, just again and again and again, just lives that are marked by misery and chaos. So the question is, why is that? Why does, does for certain people, does it seem like there's just this ensuing chaos and this this difficulty and these relationship breaks that keep happening for certain people despite their best efforts, whereas for other people it might not happen as often. So that's what we want to address, and that's what we're going to talk about and I want to share with you today. And I'd like to share some, over the course of the, the next few weeks, some biblical perspective to help us understand, hey, what's going on here? What, let's get to the root of this, and how can Jesus, how can God's presence, how can God intervene and help us overcome these broken relationships that we all experience. Uh, and I believe God wants to shine light and healing in, into that. So um, before we begin, I just want to spend some time praying 
And I'm actually going to pray out some of the words uh, as one of the, the prayer teams, I think, was sensing what God wanted to do. But let's, let's just take some space, a little bit of time, just to quiet ourselves. Let the Holy Spirit move a little bit and um, prepare us for what he want, might want to say. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your holy presence. Thank you, Father, for your great love for each and every one, one person here. And I thank you for your love for those particularly who are suffering and hurting today. I pray for a special grace that you would pour out your presence and healing upon them. You would bless them with your peace, your healing, your restoration, the life, God, that seems so, so elusive. We pray that um, you would just unbind the knots that are, that are tying people up today. I, we, we speak peace and they ask for your peace, Lord. I pray that you give us discernment. Discernment with what you're doing in us, what you want to do between us. I pray that people who feel like they're in the desert, there's no, there's a dry and weary land where there is no water, that you would bring life and the water of life that's by the Spirit of God, by the power of your Spirit. We ask that by your love and by your compassionate power to God, that you would let this space and this time that we have here to be a place of rest and stillness. Speak to our hearts. Use this next, these next few weeks as we talk about relationships to actually bring restoration and life into them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to start in an interesting place in Scripture, actually toward the beginning, in a book uh, called the Book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Pentateuch um, that was penned by Moses, inspired by God, but written by um, Moses. And not only was Exodus a really exciting story in the history of Israel, it offers one of the clearest pictures or glimpses that we get of the gospel, of, this, of these people who were trapped in slavery, who were then set free uh, by God and, and ushered into this time in the promised land. And of course, if you know the story at all, there are lots of struggles along the way. And one of the scriptures that we're going to look at um, here, when we have the Ten Commandments, is, is during the time the Israelites came out of Egypt, and they're standing in front of Mount Sinai. This mountain, I mean, it's an incredible scene. And God sends Moses up uh, to get the Ten Commandments. Um, so that's where we go. And so we're going to actually look at a verse in Exodus 20, verses 4 to 6 uh, here. So I would like your help in, um, in reading it. Today's, uh, it looks like we're not getting a connection. Are we in a navigator? I don't know, know what's happening here. So click. We're good now? Did I do that? Did I do that? All right, that's great. Me meanwhile, this light needs to be turned on. It's off here. So if someone wants to flick that on, it might for the online people, I'm thinking about you just so I don't know if I'm in the dark here. All right, so Exodus 20, verse 4. Because my, uh, my voice is a little bit, thank you, uh, still getting back, back on track, why don't we help read it, uh, why don't we read it together, all right? Well, actually, you know what? Let me, let's do something different. Someone want to volunteer and help read it for me just to give me a little, my voice a little break during the scripture? Someone want to raise their hand and read the scripture for us? For them, come on up and read it. Anybody? Bueller? Yeah, you, you sit and you, you chill out. <laughs> Bindu's going to do it. All right. Uh, 
Bindu Wong, come on down. You come up here and you take this microphone right here and you read the scripture for us. And you can read, the, if you can read sideways there, we can read there. Go ahead. Exodus 24 to 6. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Exodus 24 through 6. Thank you. All right. So there's the second commandment. So God, in his great wisdom, he, gave, he wrote the commands here. Uh, for he chiseled them supernaturally somehow onto these stone tablets and gave them to Moses, which he ended up breaking because he got really mad. Um, but there we go. So uh, after he broke them, so notice there, I want you to notice verse 5 particular, uh, he's, where he says, I'm a jealous guy punishing the children for the sin of the parents and third and fourth generations. So it's interesting. Um, I just want to make a little note about that. Okay, so here's the story. Moses, Moses uh, he breaks the, uh, the commandments. He gets all mad. He's like, all right, I got to go get some more. We got to get some other ones. So he goes back up, um, and this is what he, he does. This one's a little bit shorter. Click. Good. Did I do that again? Okay. Thank you. I, I think I just need to put more muscle into it. This is what I got to do. All right. So I think I, I got this one. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones, went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. So here is Moses in the presence of God with the word of God. And I want you to keep that illustra illustration sort of as in the back of your mind is that is the man of God or the woman, the person of God standing with the word of God in the presence of God. Amen. There is power in the presence of God holding the word of God close to you, okay? And this is, this is where Moses gets the power. That's where the power of God is, okay? So here's what happens. Standing in this holy place, he then passes in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and bounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, Okay, here's the key verse for today. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So you can see here there's a pattern of sin that the parents commit that for whatever reason gets passed down generationally from one generation to the next three to four generations, okay? So in another example, so I'll reference another example, and you can read this about, but David, one of the great, King David, who, we, who wrote the 23rd Psalm, like we, Anna had referenced earlier today, he committed one of the most uh, heinous sins in sending uh, Uriah to, to death, to, to, to marry, he murdered Uriah to, to the front lines, he sent Uriah to the front lines, died, he died, basically murdered him so that then he could marry his wife Bathsheba. 
And uh, in that case, what God told David is that the sword, meaning more murder and violence, it would never depart from his house because of what he did. And so, in other words, his house, not his physical house, but his lineage, his children, there would be repercussions, spiritual, emotional, physical repercussions for the sin that he committed in the generations that followed him. Okay, so here's what we see. And there's many other, many other examples. I'll reference a few more. But see, our own sins and the things that we do against God and rebellion against God or against what God says is, is right, which is what, what sin is, they impact future generations. They don't just impact us. They impact the people around us, particularly within our own families. The big idea here is, that, is this, that past family patterns play out repeatedly again and again and again in our present relationships. So let me say it again. Past relationships, particularly family relationships and the brokenness in them, play out repeatedly in our present relationships that we have now. And so remember, you, your life is part of a story. You have been part of a family system that has been broken. And guess what? None of us have perfect families, guys. We've all had brokenness in our families and sometimes when we don't see it, even going back three or four generations, there are sins and things that just go beyond our reach and understanding. And so there's a reason it's common to see certain patterns of sin and brokenness that go from one generation to the next. It could be yelling or anger. Um, it could be something like overeating or divorce or alcoholism or immorality. Um, it could be pregnancy outside of marriage. It could be um, someone who who is, uh, struggles with some kind of addiction, all of those, whatever it is, you can you know, label the seven deadly sins, or and plus, those things get passed down from generation to generation in each of our lives. And so we're part of a family system, and our lives, we, we think of ourselves being an individual acting alone, but in fact, we're being carried along by a, a larger narrative, by the momentum of all of the actions, both good and bad, that are then carrying up to us in that moment in, in each of our lives. And so when we, the first thing, I mean, the main idea for today is to understand our present relationships. If we want to have healthy present relationships, we cannot ignore the story that has been, been written uh, three to four generations even back in our own lives. That's where we need to start. And we need to really do some... Um, some faithful, some humble self-reflection and family reflection in order to move ahead uh, in the healing that God has for us. You know, my friend, that my one friend of mine I talked about who ran up, you see, that, that issue became very clear that in his own bro broken relationship with his father, it had impacted significantly his relationship with other men. And so he had a tough time communicating and relating with anything uh, high, that got highly emotional, and it just blew up in my face and in his own face in, the, in that one moment. And I'll tell you, being in the role of a pastor, you get, I often pay the price of, that, that has been, should be paid by other people in, in their life, whether it's father figure or authority figure. Again and again, I've seen that I often get the brunt of whatever it is, whatever issue comes in when I try to enter into a lot of that brokenness, even if I'm trying to do so um, uh, just from, you know, from the perspective of trying to help and trying to care and love for that person. And so I'm learning how, how to participate with God in bringing healing, and certainly it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's, there's, there's, it's complicated. That's what I've learned. In ministry, people are complicated. I love that one sermon that uh, Teresa uh, shared. It's like, 
God's good, enemy's bad, we're all a mixed bag. Remember that one? We're all a mixed bag. And the mixed, the bag that we got handed, we're handed a bag. So you're born, here's, here's your, your family bag, buddy. Go off, Harry, there you go. Rich, here's your family bag. We all are holding these bags, these invisible spiritual bags, whether they're on a backpack. And they, you know, the weight of those bags are impacting everything thing that we do. And some of those bags are heavier than others, even though we can't see them on the surface. So let's look at what Jesus said about this. So Jesus actually said something, which is interesting. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Uh, anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And so, see, Jesus knew, knew this. He knew this very well. He knew that our families give a pass on to us uh, brokenness due to sin. Jesus calls us not to take and model our lives after our families, but first and foremost, him. There's good things in our families that are of God. And yes, we want, there's generational blessing too. That's certainly, I don't want to uh, remove that from the discussion. But Jesus knows that ultimately we need to take our cues from him regardless of what our family backgrounds are. And so the book of Genesis itself, I just want to give you a few references just so you can start to see these patterns. It's very interesting. The book of Genesis is full of these examples. So I encourage you in your own reading, um, if, you're, if you're curious in seeing this a little bit more played out, uh, illustrated, I encourage you in your own time to read through the book of Genesis this week. But starting with Abraham is really a good case study. But you can see certain patterns. There's, there's a pattern of lying in the life of Abraham. Abraham lied several times about his wife to, to these people because he was just scared that it was going to happen. And then the next generation, he gave birth to Isaac, and Isaac basically does the same exact thing when he's faced with a situation where he thinks he's going to be killed because his wife is so beautiful, and so he lies about his wife, and that causes all problem. And then, of course, Jacob, whose main name means deceiver, basically lies to everybody. And then his children all lied about what happened to his son, Joseph, and basically held a lie for this old man's entire life. I mean, have mercy. So you can see the lying passing down generation to generate three, four generations down the road. Another example, pattern of favoritism. Abraham favored for Ishmael, Isaac favored Esau, and then Jacob favored Joseph. There's also the pattern of brothers being cut off from one another. So you remember Isaac and Ishmael, they were cut off. Then Jacob and Esau, there was a lot of tension between them. I mean, they were cut off. And then Joseph was completely cut off from his brothers before it was restored. So that's another example you can see. Uh, fourth example, a, parent, a pattern of marital brokenness. I mean, Abraham wasn't the best husband uh, himself. And so he, you know, he had a child outside of wedlock with Hagar. Isaac had a terrible relationship with his wife, Rebecca. And then Jacob himself had two wives and two concubines. And it was just a complicated family mess. So again and again, these, these generational issues passed along from one family to the next. And here's the thing. You might be saying, okay, I might be start to see that. But even if you do recognize that, and to some degree, we all recognize that on a certain level. Of course, there's issues, family, we all deal with our mother or father issues or brother or sister issues. But the thing is, I've seen in my personal experience and, and what I've observed, and I think what others um, have observed as well, is that we often underestimate, we grossly underestimate the impact that the generations before us has had on our own lives. Whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, that story that's being was written in the past generations 
is, is moving the pen, is giving our, that pen of our own story momentum in certain directions. And so we need to do something about it. You know, I, even in my, own, um, in my own family generation, one of the things I've seen is there's this brokenness in f- friendship relationships that I've seen actually across four generations. And I, I can get into a little bit more about that. Actually, I think it's next week I'm going to talk about friendships, which I'm excited about talking about that. So we'll, we'll get there. But I, I've seen in my own family, I see it in other it, in the biblical, I mean, we're not, no, no, none of us are outside of this pattern that has been established. And I don't think God in the Ten Commandments, he's necessarily, he's saying, well, I'm going to get you back for that, and so I'm going to punish lots of people. No, it's more of like, this is how gravity works. If you, if you jump, you're going to get hurt. If you jump off a big cliff, and the, and the, the higher you are, the more you're going to hurt. And so there's, there are, there's, there's spiritual gravity as well. And so when we ignore the laws that God has put into place, we, we face the consequences, and God wants to protect us from the devastating consequences that happen within our relationships and particularly within our families. So let me, let me just pause a moment and ask a question. How about you? How about you? What are the patterns that have been passed down through the generations in your own, in your own life? What are the patterns that you've noticed in your own family? You know, maybe you live with a family narrative that says, you know, you have to work and make lots of money in order to be successful. Or maybe one that's the opposite, that says that poverty, if you're a poor person, then you're somehow more spiritual, or God is more acceptable of that. Or maybe your family taught you that the best way to avoid conflict is just by cutting people out of relationships. Just, well, I'm going to just stop relating to that person. That's, that's the way you handle conflict. Or that sex outside of marriage is a normal thing. That's, that's the way we, we just do things. That's the way it is. Or maybe a popular narrative, I've seen this again and again, is that you must, must achieve and accomplish in order to be loved and appreciated. That you're, you're just as valuable as whatever you accomplish and do with your life. And that, that's where you get your, your value from. So how about you? What, what, are, those, what are those narratives? Do you, are you starting to see maybe as you're thinking and reflecting a little bit See, the problem is our family narratives don't line up. They run contrary to the narrative that Jesus wants to run in our lives. And so the first step in finding restoration for our current relationships is finding restoration about those false beliefs, those patterns, those sinful tendencies that run within our family systems and overcoming those patterns of behavior. And so I would encourage you, maybe you're like, okay, well, interesting, I don't know, right? I would encourage you to do some prayerful reflection this week, if you haven't done so, is to think through your family history, maybe even go back a couple generations if you can, and consider what is the impact that my past family has had, and how do I see those patterns, what are the patterns I see in my own life, or even in my children's lives, that have been passed along to me and are are moving ahead. Be a good little uh, reflection activity. And I would encourage you to do that prayerfully maybe in discussion with people within your family. So here, but here's the good news. The good news this is this. Listen, your family of origin does not have to determine your destiny. So this story is, has been written, but if you, if we invite Jesus into the story, if we hand him the pen, he can take and rewrite entire chapters of your life's narrative. And it will change the course of the history of your life. Not only that, 
but it will change and impact future generations. In fact, biblically speaking, the blessings impact thousands of generations. And so your decision, the decisions that you make to give Jesus the pen or not, not only will impact your life, but will impact the families, your children, your grandchildren, your grandchildren's children's children. And it will go way beyond your, whatever your wildest imagination of, the, of, of what you can accomplish with your life, that your life can mean something because of what Jesus has done. See, anything that we have to offer the world is not in and of ourselves, is what Jesus has to offer us and gives us in the first place. And so what I believe God is inviting each of us to do during this time is to take some prayerful time to reflect, to humble, maybe even fast and pray, and give him the pen back so that he can do the writing in our lives again. The problem is we, we want to hold on to that. We want to write the story. We want to be in control of the narrative. Jesus says, listen, you want to control the narrative, you can, but look, look what happens. When you control it, you know that... That story, how many times has that story been told? I mean, it's, this story's been told hundreds of times in the scriptures itself and played out billions of times throughout the planet. When are we going to learn that we can't write the story ourselves? We need to give it back to Jesus. And so the good news, my friends, is that Jesus offers restoration for each and every one of our lives. He offers us restoration for who we are and for our families. Jesus not only restores individuals, he restores entire families. And when we submit ourselves to him, when we trust him that he knows better than we do, it changes absolutely everything. And it starts in, inside in every individual as well. So if you want to be part of, of enabling uh, Jesus to do his work in your own life, you need to give it up. You need to, you need to say, Jesus, I'm done controlling my life's narrative. I'm done trying to be the author of my own fruitfulness and life and everything that I have, and I give it, give it over to you. I give, I give up. I, you, just, you just throw it all down. You raise your hands up. God, have mercy on my soul. And you, you could just do that. Even right now, you can just say, Jesus, I give it up, and I give it to you. I give myself to you. I give my family to you. I give up my future to you because I've reached the end of what I can do. All my attempts, God, are failing, but you don't fail. Help me. Have mercy on me, God. You know, and if that's you, if you're in that place right now, talk to me after the service. Or make a note on one of those kind of handy, handy connect cards that Nick talked about, and we'll follow up with you this week. I want, we want to walk with you in this process. See, this is a, a, this is a long-term process that you need other brothers and sisters, a family, a new family around you uh, to help overcome. And so what, what does it mean to be a disciple? I mean, we think about what discipleship is. Largely, if you look at scripture, all these scriptures that Paul talks about, I don't think I, I pull any one, but becoming a mature disciple of Jesus, which is basically what we're trying to do, multiply mature disciples of Jesus, is largely this. It's take, casting off the old family patterns. Most of what we do is from our old family systems and patterns. Taking those things off and putting on the new. The new family who we are, who we are in Christ and who we are in God's family. As a son or as a daughter of the Most High, we are learning how we live as a child of the King, as a child of God who loves us perfectly and we have a perfect Father who loves us in a perfect way and can direct our lives and redirect us in the way we ought to go. In that verse about, in Proverbs, you know, um, raise up a child in the way 
he should go and he will not depart from it. But the way God wants us to go is his way. It's not our own. And so this is the exciting part of this whole thing. We acknowledge the brokenness, but it's not all about brokenness. There is real, clear restoration and hope that is available to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ together as we seek him and invite him into our story, our stories change and become a completely different story altogether. My friends, these God stories that we're hearing, though Anna shared today, that many others, young and old, and everyone in between have been sharing, have been testimonies of this very thing that we're talking about that we see here, is that God is entering into the story. And that's the picture, that's what the gospel is. It's a story of a broken humanity that is loved and created by God, who who was intersected and intervened by God's intervention. He entered into the story and changed the course of history. And we have, for whatever reason, the freedom to say yes to what he wants to do or to reject it and say, you know what? I've got this figured out myself. And so I think it's time for some of us here to say, you know what? I don't got this figured out myself. But God does. And I'm going to trust that he's got, got me under control and that he cares about me that he loves me, that he actually is a good father, which was proven and shown historically in a time and place when Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the grave. And, and that's what created this new, this new era, this new age in which, which we now live. So here we go. As we go through and look at all of these things, I want to just say, we'll finish with this one illustration. So the final illustration I want to share with, and then we'll close up, is the, is the, the Joseph narrative. So if, you turn in the, if, you're, if you're reading the book of Genesis, one of the most exciting stories is the story of Joseph. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob goes down to uh, Joseph, right? So the children pass along. Joseph, he's exiled. So you want to think about, if you think you've had a fam- rough family uh, experience, Joseph's brothers, they, to all ten of them, they ditched him, they threw him in a well and left him for dead. Okay, so just imagine just the rejection that would feel. If your family like left you in a well, I mean, I, I know a lot of us experience rejection in our own families in different ways, but I, don't, I haven't met anyone who goes, yeah, you know, my family just, they just threw me in a well one day and just walked away. I mean, this, this guy went through a lot and he was faced with raw, uh, raw emotion, raw pain for many years and God eventually elevated him to be second in command of all of Egypt, basically the, most, the biggest superpower of the world at the time. So God, I mean, God totally did incredible things with his stories. But in that, at the very end of the story, Joseph, when his brothers came, he, in, in Genesis 45, we see that he wept so loud. He was so broken that his tears, that it could be heard, you know, in the closed doors in his whatever, his, you know, office, number two office there. All the Egyptians heard him. So he, now the first thing that he, he, he did, and I believe that all we need to do, is that we need to acknowledge the brokenness. We can't ignore it. I've seen so, so many people, sadly, because they don't, I don't know, they don't want to expose their family secrets or they don't, they're trying to do it on the, their own. Like they just don't acknowledge the brokenness in, their own, in themselves and in their family. We first have to acknowledge that there's a problem. We have problems, my friends, my family, my church family. We all have problems and we have to acknowledge them. We have to first, and it's okay. We need to mourn those issues. There's a place for mourning and lament, and we need to mourn. That there's a healthy, there's there's a healthy aspect, and that's the first step. And so, you going away and crying about all your family issues, that would be a good thing to do. I would encourage you go off and, and mourn and cry and 
and, and live in a place of desolation, but do it in the presence of God. And that's the second part. We don't just stay there. Because, I mean, secular psychologists and, you know, what, what the secular world has to offer us can help us to some degree acknowledge those things. But the problem is they can't really fix the problem. They can't sort out the root of the issue. The second thing, like Moses, he understood, he looked, he looked at the lives of the Israelites himself with the word of God, but he didn't, he didn't just stop there. It was through the power of his presence. He stood in the presence of God, and, and that's what Joseph did too. I don't know, see if I have a quote, but basically he said this, or maybe I do have it, because it's so good. Oh yeah, okay. It, it, it did get it, good. Genesis 50, big click. His brother, so this is... Uh, after his father had died, his brothers are there. So it's basically, his brothers thought he was going to maybe like kill him. Like just hang him out to dry. And so uh, his brothers came to him. They threw themselves down before him and said, we're your slaves, they said, okay? Basically, they're trying to save their lives. Because here's the king of the world, essentially. They're, he, they're at his mercy. This is what Joseph says. <laughs> Listen to this. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Oh man, I mean, just to stop there. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. We think we're in the place of God and we can solve the problem. Okay? So let's, let's acknowledge that we're not in the place of God. Let's humble ourselves a little bit. Okay, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, not just in his life, but for the saving of many lives. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were saved because of what God did through Joseph. And so the pain, and actually the pain that he experienced, enabled him to then bring salvation and blessing, not only to his own family, but to the entire land of Egypt and all the surrounding nations. And the good part of the good news is that what God wants to do in you, he wants to do through you. And if you've experienced significant family pain, Guess who's best positioned and suited to help others who have gone through the same thing? That's you. You've been through pain. God wants to use you to be a blessing to other people who have experienced that kind of pain. You know, I haven't experienced the pain you've experienced. I can't minister to the people that God's called you to minister to. There's a unique set of people that are hurting and in pain that God wants to empower you to bring healing and restoration into their lives. See, it's not, ultimately, it's not about you and not just about your family. It's about the great narrative that God's doing to bring all things under his kingdom and his rule and his reign and to restore all things. God, Jesus is, you know what he's doing? When we look at the big picture, the big biblical narrative, he's making all things new. We're invited into the newness of what Jesus has to offer. And we stand right in the place. And who's going to do it but the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is where we are. And this is the adventure that we're on together as a church. This is the adventure we're going to talk deeply, more deeply relationally about over the next few weeks. And I believe it's a grand adventure. So I want to encourage you as we finish. Number one, again, I want to encourage you, if you haven't taken some real time out, if you've been ignoring, like you know, what I'm saying is like not that you just acknowledge it, that your family pain and all of these things you, you might struggle with, your family has struggled with, but to really identify it and confess it and bring it to somebody. Bring it to someone in prayer to say, listen, I struggle. 
this is, this is what's been going on in my family. This is what's going on in my own life. And I need God to intercept. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever taken the time to do that simply to acknowledge that in, in your own life? Well, first, that, that would be the first and foremost. And secondly, the second thing is to actually bring it into the presence of God. And there's several ways we can do that together. Of course, on a very um, like brief way, we offer prayer in our, the community that we have. We are building a kind of community where people can come as they are and be restored. You know, Teresa's been leading along with a team, a small team, uh, an inner healing ministry, a deep inner, inner healing ministry. We take some time, and I know, I know several of us around the room have experienced these, these, these times where we take time and just bring these things to the table, bring the stuff that we have, the bags. So all these invisible bags, we actually bring it up and say, Jesus, here's my bag. It's, it's an ugly one. It is ugly. But I want you to do something with it because I don't know what I'm doing. And you take space and time to be able to sort through those things and invite the presence of God into those, those times. So that is a ministry that we offer and that we want to be able to do regularly even as we, as we grow as a church. And so if you're interested in that, if God's touching your heart and you're like, you're, there's something being identified, you need to take the initiative. You need to take the responsibility for your own healing. Okay, you can't let other people take, you have responsibility for your own stuff. Okay, so you need to take responsibility and reach out. And so I encourage you, send Teresa at conchalkandvineyard.com, send her an email, and we'll start that discussion and start helping walk with you. This is what we want to do. We feel God call us to do this, and we are committed as a church to do whatever we can. And if we don't know how to handle it, we're going to try and figure out to get you in a place or in a position for, um, around people and in God's presence so that you can find the healing. We're, I'm not saying we're experts at this, but we're learning. And God has been doing some incredible things behind the scenes that many of us maybe not um, are not aware of. So, uh, and then just today. So one, one other thing. If you're interested in reading more, I know some of you have read this book. There's a good book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. That's my book recommendation for you today. And some of the scripture I, um, I, I referenced, I mean, it was loosely based on some of the things. There's a lot, he goes into a lot more detail and kind of takes it in a slightly different direction than I did today. But if you'd like to read a little bit more, I'd recommend that book, particularly chapter three, but that book is full of a lot of good stuff. A guy named Pete Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There's also a course that um, I'd encourage you to talk to Jess Mel. She's not here today, but there's something called Emotionally Formed that is a course that you can take to help walk you through over the course of time that I'd recommend as well. Personally, I've done a lot of my own work with a spiritual director, with friends I trust, doing the same kind of things. There's not one way to approach this. There's, you can go through this any number of ways, but the thing is, you have to be intentional about it. Be intentional about your healing. Be intentional. Pay attention to God. Bring it into the presence and watch what he does. Okay, so we're going to do that now. We're going to worship in just a second, okay? But I want to create just a mini space here for us to do business with God because God wants to do some things right now, right here and right now. He wants to heal and address certain things, okay? So he, he I don't know what he wants to do exactly. He does. So we're just going to pay attention to him and we're all going to just listen and see, uh, be intentional about seeing what God would want us to do today, okay? So maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's just writing, journaling, but let's, let's just give it to God as we um, move on and finish up our worship service. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help. More, we need more of you. We leak, God. We leak and we need to be filled again and refilled. Fill us up, Lord. 
Holy Spirit, we give you permission. And if you're, you know, if this, if you're in this place right now, in that spiritual place, but those, me, myself, and others who are in that place, we are ready and and wanting and inviting you into our family story and into our lives right now to do whatever you want to do here today to help us take steps into the eternal destiny and family narrative that you've planned out for us. So show us, God. I pray in this time, this remaining time we have together, you would show, what, show us what our next step is and what you want to reveal to us. So just, let's wait on the Spirit. Let's let him, I want to give him, this, this thing is sometimes take time. So Lord, have your way. Do what you want right now. Yeah, the sense I have is really maybe as a first step for most of us, it's, it's going back to the theme of what he's told us since the beginning. It's, it's, it's rest. It's learning to rest and trust in the presence of, of the one who cares about us and who has the capacity to do. Maybe there's just that, just releasing the do to God. I encourage you as we worship here, let God continue to speak to you. If you feel like, hey, now's the time to give up, give up that pen and give, give him the, the leadership in your life for the first time maybe, let's uh, get some prayer today.